The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to the Sharp Lessons Podcast, everybody. We're back after uh, a relatively short break. Four weeks, exactly. Four weeks. Not too bad. Ben Wittenstein, the professor, Nate Jacobson, talking a bunch of bets. And Nate's, uh, it's the middle of July, and we did this last year. So we might as well, we're talking some golf, and yep. we're doing our first of a long series, probably like a month-long series, of college football win totals. Yeah, I think we're going to try to start doing twice a week for the rest of the summer. Just one episode this week. Going to start with the Big Ten. Going to do the other four major conferences in August. Focus on the NFL. And I don't know how we want to split them up, but I think a logical way would just to be do division by division throughout the month of August. And that leads us into the first week of college football. First full week, week one, right before Labor Day. And then the, before you know it, NFL. And we'll be going back Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. A lot of fun. And We'll figure out a schedule for that and keep you guys updated. But we're back after a month. The last time we talked was right before Game 6 of the NBA Finals. So a nice little break and I think a good time to talk about football. And we'll have my picks for the Open Championship, which, as we record, begins in about... 10 hours so it'll be a short period of time to get the bets in so if you listen to this on wednesday night make sure to get those bets in before the tournament begins at 1 30 a.m eastern time in the united states 6 30 in scotland yeah we got the open to talk about we've got um college football win totals as we said we're going to be doing nfl win totals in august so we're really excited because it's you know it's july but we're feeling football season already and it's i was telling you in the office today i cannot wait for college football to start i just can't august 27th circled on the calendar i'm really excited yeah and didn't you bet like live bet a nba summer league game <laughs> did. It's kind of desperate times for you yeah it's been desperate times call for desperate measures and we were watching the bulls summer league game yesterday and i figured you know they're winning in the first quarter their first half money line is plus 115 had to take it <laughs> had to take it and not, it actually won not even a full game no first half no i live bet a first half in a summer league game so that's yeah. that's really where i'm at right now as a person Feeling kind of good about it that they won. If if they had lost, I would feel much worse about myself for having done that, to be quite honest. It's it, really hinges on them winning. Whatever you need to do. Last week, I didn't bet on any sports. Took week off. How'd that feel? Actually feels refreshing. I feel recharged <laughs> for the yeah. Open Championship. Uh, maybe a little overexposed for the Open Championship, or I'll, maybe I'll make some live bets for that. But I just wanted to kind of not but force any bets and smart try to be a little more responsible these days. And then... Uh, when football begins, we'll see what happens. But I just wanted yeah. to make sure to be fully recharged for the fall because after a couple of months, it gets a little bit exhausting. It's a lot. Yeah, and a lot of numbers, a lot of sweating. So you took the week off, the stress level's down, but we're ready for yeah. them to go back up in about a month or so. So Absolutely. I'm excited about that. Also, kind of a new studio. You'll be able yeah. to watch us. We'll be posting some of these videos at Stadium Bets on Twitter. Um, at Stadium on Twitter, so you'll be able to see our bright, shining faces talk about our bets. we got a nice little background, thanks to Nate. Uh, kind of the throwback to when you did the Saturday morning. Yeah. Periscope 
broadcasts, which is a great idea. Yeah, fall 2019, and maybe even Twitch on uh, in 2018. Oh my gosh, uh, that was something that we did and brought a stadium background. And now that we're back in the office full time, the last what five or six months, we'll we'll be in person for at least most of the shows. Yeah, so we'll be able to uh, actually give our bets in person feel good about ourselves because we're looking at each other in the eye and giving us our bets so we know (laughs) and you know that our bets are what we believe in um and i know we have the big 10 win totals to get to but because the open is starting so soon nate we might as well just start with your thoughts of the 150th open we were even trying to figure out the hashtag it's not the open it's the 150th open for the hashtag um so just just looking at it obviously there's been a lot of discussions around LIV players and PGA players, but we don't have to get into any of that because we just want to know what you're thinking of picking and who you like for this weekend. Yeah, and I think one of the interesting or most exciting parts about this Open Championship, it's the 150th edition of this major championship. And you mentioned the LIV players being like a controversy. There's a lot of time, the chance that this is like the last time we see all the best players in golf in the same spot because yeah. – there's players on the LIV that will drop in the world rankings because right now those events aren't sanctioned by the official golf world rankings. So this feels a little extra special because it's like everyone is there in Scotland this week and not just in Scotland at St. Andrews, the old course, which is a lot yeah, of history. Right. So the, all the golf historians, this means a lot for them. Um, and one of the big things with betting this event is knowing about the weather and trying to see if there's any edge betting on a golfer who might be playing in tamer weather because it gets very windy there. It's coastal course. There's no trees to protect it. It's link-style course. So the big thing I was been looking at this week before I placed any bets, other than one early bet on Wills Alatoris, was to see if there was any edge on playing maybe a guy teeing off early Thursday and then who would tee off late Friday or then also late Friday to or late Thursday to early Friday. So right now it looks like the wind is going to be fine. It looks like it's going to be kind of calm throughout the day where there's not going to be a distinct advantage. And because of that, I actually placed some bets on that. the open championship already had the Zalatoris bet that I mentioned Sam Burns at 45 to one. I added Hideki Matsuyama at 50 to one Joaquin Neiman at 50 to one. And Keith Mitchell, 100 to 1. I bet him with a top seven each way. And then Hao Tong Lee, 150 to 1, also with a top seven each way. I posted a lot of things on my Twitter account. I had an article on watchstand.com. So if you want any reasonings for that, make sure to check that out. I don't want to go too long about the reasonings here because the tournament starts so quick. But those are the six bets in. And I actually do have a little bit more money to play with in case I do want to make a live bet Ooh. either Friday maybe or going into the weekend. Would the best time for live betting you think be Friday or Saturday? It really just kind of depends on how the course is looking and how the how the players are looking. So something weather-related, it looks like it's going to be pretty windy on Saturday later in the day. I think that gives a, an opportunity after the 36-hole cut when the third-round pairings are set. There might be a player that could get at the course and shoot really low, kind of in a low-pressure spot, and maybe set him up to be in contention on Sunday. So I think the live betting strategy there – Maybe look at someone going out early on Saturday, as long as that weather holds, because the leaders on Saturday might struggle in the wind. Right. Yeah, that, that makes sense. It's certainly, it seems like kind of one of the more difficult tournaments to, to be betting, at least specifically for this time of year, too. 
definitely especially because these kind of this kind of course we don't see on the pga tour where there's no trees and it's just like very wide open it's a unique course it's very unique it's a lot different than the other three majors that we've seen this year and usually we see every year yep all right so that's that's the open and again once this is out run 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 to the nearest sports book to your phone wherever (laughs) you gotta go make these bets because uh they tee off what you said from this recording 10 hours something like that Yes, yeah, so it's early early tee off. The tee off in Scotland is six thirty five a.m. and everyone tees off on the first tee. There isn't split tees, so like basically for ten straight hours, there's just groups just teeing off, off every eleven minutes. So that's another thing Good that makes Lord. it hard in terms of weather. It's not like there's a true a.m. p.m. wave. Yeah. Like there'll be people teeing off um, every eleven minutes, basically. So it's gonna be golf literally on all day long, all night here. It's a dream in come true for States. you. Yeah, if you're fine with waking, <laughs> staying up late or getting up early, yeah. sure. Uh, but the final round should be done probably a Sunday, about Sunday sometime in the afternoon, because it does get the sun does stay up pretty late uh, that far north in Scotland. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Now let's focus on football. College football time. This is the first college football preview that we have of the season. Good fist bump there from you, Nate. I love it because I remember doing this last summer. It was a lot of fun. I thought we did pretty well. We'll track it a lot better this time around to really see how we're doing throughout the year. But I thought we did some some pretty good win totals last year. I remember specifically like Auburn, you were sweating, I believe, towards the end of the year. Um, So we're hopefully we're not sweating a bunch of these, but – I'm sure we will be sweating a couple, and we're starting with the Big Ten. Uh, we're starting with the Big Ten this week. We'll be moving on to different conferences as, as the weeks go on and then get into NFL win totals. But let's start with the Big Ten, and what we're going to do is we're going to give our top two overs and our top two unders for the conference, um, and we each have different teams, so you'll be able to get a different perspective from each team. So let's start with the top two overs, Nate, in the Big Ten for this season, and I'm going to start Alma Mater, Indiana University. Their total is four. I am going over. Over four, minus 120, I think you can get it at, is probably one of the best numbers. This is low, and Indiana was terrible, terrible last year. They were embarrassing. And Toward the end of the season, didn't want to watch them. They had a bunch of injuries. They lost Michael Penix. Jack Tuttle came in. Their their backup quarterback, he didn't play as well as people thought. He got hurt. They were down to the third string, their fourth string quarterback. They had injuries, offensive line, wide receiving core, defensively. They were a mess last season. And you look through their schedule this year – And I find it difficult not to find five wins for them at the very least. I mean, they start out playing Illinois, and that could be, again, this is a home game for for Indiana. So I think they can beat Illinois right off the bat week one. I guess it's technically like week zero. But they can start 3-0, and then they have to go and play Cincinnati. That could be a loss, but I think they can start 3-0. They have a couple winnable games against Maryland at home, going to Rutgers. They always play pretty well against Rutgers. That's another win right there. That could be five wins for you immediately. And then they go through the gauntlet. Yeah. Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan State. They're going to lose 
most likely all three of those games. And then they end up facing Purdue at home, which again, they usually play Purdue pretty well. I think that's another winnable game. So five wins on this schedule, Nate, it's it's right there. It seems pretty easy to me. Yeah, I'm going to disagree. I know the schedule might look good on paper, but I just don't think Indiana is as talented as they were a couple years ago. Two years ago, they had that magical year yep. in the shortened season, the COVID season. And I don't think they're as bad as they were last year, but I don't think they've replenished the system enough and the program enough. Not a fan of quarterback You're Connor not. Blazelak, the transfer that they brought <laughs> in from Missouri. I went to Mizzou. I saw plenty of Connor Blazelak. I don't yeah. think he is the uh, solution for Indiana. And that's a tough non-conference game at Cincinnati. I saw the early line for the game against Illinois. That's already been out probably for maybe even a month. But Indiana, only a five-and-a-half-point favorite. So I think it's kind of a leap of faith just to give them a win. I think that they could easily lose that game. Uh, And then, as you mentioned, a really brutal November, having to play at Michigan State and at Ohio State, and before that, off the bye against Penn State. So I think it's one of those where you might – know if you win or lose by that they time. could have it wrapped up by october 22nd well, the under could also be wrapped up either way <laughs> you're possible. gonna know that's you're gonna know possible. by halloween if you win or lose on the indiana win total there's still some four and a halfs out there i like under four and a half on indiana i mean they have they have two gauntlets in their schedule they've got that penn state ohio state michigan state and then before that, September to October, they have at Cincinnati, at Nebraska, and then they play Michigan at home. So this is by no means an easy schedule. I think it's a top 10 hardest schedule in college football. Um, That's what I saw for this year for Indiana. But four wins, just that, that man, that just seems low. That seems low. And I know you don't love Bazelak. I, I don't know if I believe in Jack Tuttle either. He didn't right. show super good progress last season. But the defense, I think, is going to be better. Now that Tom Allen is going to be the main play caller on the defensive side of the football, um, they do have a new running back core. They're losing some of their top wide receivers and, and tight end. Fry Fogel's gone. Hendershot's gone. But their whole line's coming back, and that's a really good base to, to start with if you're going to want to break your quarterbacks in. I, I just I think five wins is, is doable for an Indiana squad that really underplayed last season, where it was bombarded by injuries. I like the over, especially at the number. If you can get a minus 120 over four, I see plus money at over four and a half. Take that. Take it. Take it to the bank. Yeah, and so one of the things I think is most fun about betting college football win totals is every half point or a half win counts because there's only 12 games. Yeah. So betting over four is a completely different scenario than betting over four and a half where you yep. would need five to win if it's over four and a half it's kind of nice i guess in this case your example liking indiana over i don't like that but you do but betting over four and having them land on four at least gets your, Get your money, money back. back yeah i think that's a nice i wouldn't say security blanket but a good way to bet win totals it's a lot different than betting mlb win totals was 162 games yeah it's a lot or less. nba where there's 82 like 12 games, really tight season. I think that that's just one thing that I like, why I like betting college football win totals because every point, half win counts. And that's really reflected in the juice of some of these where, like, oh, we'll talk about Ohio State next. If Let's you want to go about over, Ohio State. If you want to go over uh, 10 and a half on Ohio State, you have to lay minus 200 or more. But if you want to go over 11, it's like minus 140. So that's a huge difference. And Undefeated season. I'm going to already break the rule of this exercise and only go with one 
over I like okay. in the Big Ten. You only ten, like one Big Ten over. And I'll talk maybe about in the why I like only one over in my under bets just because, I, well, the Big Ten West I just think is really wide open. It's hard for me to figure out. Also more conference confidence in other conferences. But Ohio State, just looking at their schedule, and I think it's actually kind of tough for maybe Big Ten standards, but I don't see a way they lose two games. I think undefeated is a very likely scenario for them where they're probably going to be a favorite by double digits or more in all 12 games. And you look at, like, first off game off the bat, Notre Dame. Well, they're a 14.5-point favorite at home yeah. against Notre Dame in week one. So they, the market really respects this Ohio State team. Even though they lost two receivers to the draft in the first round, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, they replace him. Marvin Harrison Jr. There's some other really talented young players I know that they believe in. And then Jackson Smith and Jigba, who had an amazing Rose Bowl. I think he's going to prove to be a top receiver drafted in the next NFL draft. So Ohio State's still loaded. C.J. Stroud, one of the Heisman favorites. He's Travion up. Henderson, a really good running back, a true sophomore, which is amazing how much young talent they have. But then the key for Ohio State this year, and I think the reputation or the perception of Ohio State after last year was – it was a defense that had talent, but they weren't. The they were a little secondary bit, was oof. Yeah, and they it's just a rough they got dashed by Michigan in that game when it's just like yeah. they, it's like almost they were afraid to tackle. Now you bring in a new defensive coordinator. Ryan Day got a lot of money to be able to spend on a staff. I mean, he's probably had a lot of money, but he went out and spent that money on Jim Knowles, who was the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma State. Kind of turned Oklahoma State and from a offensive running gun team to a defensive-minded team. Their defense yeah. is the reason why Oklahoma State was just a couple inches away of possibly making the college football playoffs. So I think Jim Knowles is going to do great things with the recruiting talent Ohio State has. And even if they aren't hit the ground running, it's a forgiving schedule early on for Ohio State where they're really tougher forgiving. games <laughs> yeah. in the East. Yeah, we were just talking about it. Eight, eight other 12 games are in Columbus. The first five are in Columbus. So they'll have Ridiculous. some time to figure some things out. In, in Ohio State in terms of defense. Um, and why I mentioned their schedule is a little tougher for Big Ten standards. The crossover games are against Wisconsin and Iowa, who are two of the better teams in the Big Ten West. But I believe they get both those teams at home. So that's a huge yep. key Iowa for home. Ohio yeah. State. They'll also get Michigan at home. They just will have to travel to Michigan State. And I believe they also go to Penn State. And that'll year. be the whiteout game, too. So that's like, yeah. if they're going to get upset anywhere, it's going to be that whiteout game at Penn State. That's definitely the toughest game because I think Ohio State, with revenge on their mind against Michigan, yep. uh, unless there's some sort of injury, uh, they'll be fine and, and win that game. So Ohio State, I don't know if I'm going to lay minus 200 on over 10 and a half. You're going undefeated, all or nothing. But I'm looking for ways. Yeah, I would look for maybe an over 11, but I'm looking for ways just in general, Ohio State, to do really well this season and possibly win the national championship. Bold bets. I, you know, I like it. It's hard to bet against Ohio State, too. It's There's no one in the right mind that you go under, at least under 10 and a half. No. For their, for their total. No, I mean, there's definitely could lose down the line in – the college football playoff, sure. but I Regular think in the season, Big Ten, yeah. there's just so much talent there, and Ryan Day has quietly done really well. I mean, he may not quietly done well because he kind of mans the offense, and their offense has been yep. very good, uh, back with Justin Fields, and, and then last year's offense was very good in Shroud's first year as the starter, uh, but the recruiting has been really – they've picked off where Urban Meyer left off in terms of yeah, they, they haven't really lost skipped a, a beat recruiting-wise. No. 
And now you get Jim Knowles, a good defensive coach, recruiting with those just more talented players than you would get at Oklahoma State or at a Duke, which was his previous uh, defensive coordinator job. Yeah, makes sense. I, I like it. Uh, my other overpick is Wisconsin. Good old Wisconsin. The Badgers, uh, their total, their win total sits at 8.5. Overs uh, minus 130. I like the over. I really do. I think there's nine winnable games for this Badgers team, and they're going to be coming back. The the thing, the main thing that I really like about this Badgers team, Nate, is they realized, and if anyone watched one minute of Wisconsin Badger football last season, you knew the offense was in trouble. They had one of the worst offenses yeah. I had ever seen in a college football game. I mean, they look like a D3 team at times. Graham Mertz just not knowing how to pass the ball, the offense not knowing how to move the ball. It was pretty pathetic. And so they realized that. Paul Chris brought in new offensive coordinator from the Baltimore Ravens. He was a tight end coach, Bobby Ingram. And they, they retooled the whole offense, apparently, is what they've been saying through the summer, through the interviews he have been giving. They've been really mending the offense to a better version of what it was last season. And really, all that offense had to go was up because they, they were at the bottom of the barrel with the, the type of plays and the creativity. So anything better for, for Wisconsin offensively, I think, is going to launch them into a team that contend for a Big Ten championship, really, because their defense coming back, they lost some key players, but they're just retooling. We know that the Wisconsin right. defense is going to be good. I really think nine wins is definitely possible. You look through the schedule, they're going to lose to Ohio State, most likely on the road at Ohio State. That Michigan State game could be a toss-up, but it's going to be in East Lansing, so maybe you you consider that a loss. Um, the Iowa game is going to be probably the most important. They're going to go to Iowa November 12th. It's going to be at Iowa, in Iowa City, at Connect Stadium, a really tough environment to play in. But they possibly could beat Iowa. I mean, Iowa's kind of treading water at this point. So I, I think there's a really good chance and a really good opportunity for Wisconsin to get over eight and a half wins because I, I see nine wins possibly if they have a good year 10 wins for the Badgers if we're being completely honest it's just it's it's a team that didn't lose too much their wide receiver group's a little inexperienced sure their number one receiver is going to be a junior <laughs> possibly which is unfortunate but other than that they have the O-line you're always going to get the big boys with O-line on, on the Wisconsin team and the defense is going to retool. So, honestly, Nate, I, I like this. Over eight and a half, I think they can get nine wins. I think it's all there. Yeah, and I think you make a lot of good points. In terms of defense, I know they lose some guys, but Jim Leonard is one of the better defensive coordinators in the country. I'm a little surprised he's still there. I know he yeah. went to Wisconsin, so he might have some loyalty to alma mater, yeah. waiting for maybe a new job. Maybe he's like the new uh, – Brent Venables in terms of like he's waiting for what he's ready <laughs> right or maybe he's job, waiting yeah. for Paul Chris to call it quits and then he can take over the ball well, if Wisconsin does not get the over here if they you know if they get seven eight wins you're going to have people start calling for Paul Chris head for sure yeah so one reason I'm gonna stay away from this is just the unpredictability of the Big Ten West where I think there's five legitimate contenders in Wisconsin Iowa Nebraska Purdue and Minnesota I would say Wisconsin maybe a cut above the rest but I don't know if I can get behind Graham Mertz because last year on this podcast, I was saying Wisconsin, I think it was over nine wins, over nine and a half. Everyone loved Graham. They lost, I think, three games pretty early on in the season. They lost that Penn State game, even though their offense had a ton of trips to the red zone. Yeah. They lost to Notre Dame in a game that got out of hand. And then Michigan, that was an embarrassing loss as well. And yep. then they figured it out. Losing the last day of the season with Minnesota prevents them from a rematch against Michigan in the Big Ten title game. So I think there is some chance of positive regression. I just don't know if I want to have my money tied 
up and Graham Mertz's success, even though they're probably not going <laughs> to ask him. never a good feeling. They're not going to ask him to do much after what happened no. last season, Madison. No, they're, they're not. But the thing is, with the new offensive coordinator, maybe they figure something out. Maybe they realize Graham Mertz is the guy to go to. Maybe they realize, hey, we'll, we'll change this up for the game plan. We'll we'll do this and this and this. And Bobby Ingram comes from a very innovative is, offensive is, scheme. Is that the former NFL player, Bobby Ingram? Bobby Ingram? Well, he was a tight ends coach. I think he's a receiver on the Bears. Maybe it's a different name, but yeah. Listen, if he's a former NFL player, uh, even yeah. better because then he's he's got the innovation there. So I'm I'm excited. Maybe I'm putting a lot on the offensive coordinator change, but sometimes that's all you need. Sometimes that's all you need as a team to to really recharge and find that spark offensively. Unders. Yep. Under. Time to uh, to lay into some teams here. Yeah, and I'm gonna. You got three. Three. three well, well, one's Indiana, so I don't think I have to rehash that. That hurts. So let's just go with my two <laughs> unders. We'll, we'll start with one of my unders. Okay. And I was just looking at teams that I thought greatly overachieved last year. Yeah. A lot of things broke right. The first one coming from the Big Ten East, Michigan State. They were expected – I think their win total last year was like five. So yeah. they were expected – like, It was like if they make a bowl game, that would be considered a success, at least yeah. in odds makers' eyes. They blew through that, started off undefeated – were undefeated up until I believe it was uh, after they beat Michigan and they were still undefeated and they lost to Purdue in a bad spot in November. So Michigan State greatly overachieved. A lot of things went their way. They hit on a lot of transfers because their team last year was mostly a transfer-related roster. The biggest one being Kenneth Walker, the running back. He's gone. ended up being a top 40 pick and drafted by the Seattle Seahawks. And I think it was a little bit worrisome that Mel Tucker, he's doing a great job recruiting, especially the Michigan State football program was kind of in a weird spot in the last years of Mark D'Antonio. But the recruiting's been fine. But his background is defense, especially a defensive back coach. He's been that in numerous roles throughout football in terms of coaching. But his secondary last year was absolutely atrocious. We saw it in that Ohio State game in mid-November when I believe C.J. Stroud had six first-half touchdowns for Ohio State. And it was the game was over in the second quarter, and it was video game-type numbers for the Ohio State offense just in one half in a game that had a lot on the line for the Big Ten East. So maybe Mel Tucker fixes up the defense, but I want to wait to see it with maybe some of his own players that he actually recruited and not just guys from the transfer portal. I think Kenneth Walker's a big loss. I know the quarterback really Payne Thorne returns, and he has some of those receivers. But Michigan State loved running the ball, and if they don't have that dynamic running back in college. And I think in the NFL there's a lot of talk, like running backs don't matter. You can easily replace players. But it's different in college football because the difference between your starting running back and the backup could be huge. Because you're not yeah. just going like, to sign a player off the street like you can in the NFL. I mean, I guess with the transfer portal, more like free agency, you can add some depth piece, but like it's not a dynamic player who ended up being picked in the second round of the NFL draft, which is high for a running back these days. So Walker was a tremendous talent. Not sure how they replace him. The issue with going under for me and why I'm pausing on the under is seven and a half seems like the odds makers knew that regression is coming number. from Michigan State. Yeah. A 10-win team last year. Yeah. They ended up winning their bowl game. So I think they knew if it was like eight, I'd definitely be going under because you need nine to beat me. Seven and a half, a little bit of a different story. So maybe instead of betting the under, I'll wait and see and decide and let you guys know on the podcast closer to the season. But maybe just betting against them in some individual games. I know early in the year, week three, they go to Washington. I think a team that will improve. So I'll be looking to Washington maybe as a home underdog in that game. And then some of those crossover games where they're playing – 
Wisconsin at home. I feel like Wisconsin could be a, a good bet when we get to that game. So that's yeah. what I have on Michigan State, a team that I think had a great season last year, and all credit to him, or Mel Tucker and, and that roster, because things were really poor with the football team in Michigan State for a couple of years. But I think they kind of bounce, come back to earth a little bit in East Lansing. I think so, too. I, the problem with Michigan State is Peyton Thorne. For me, for betting the under, is he's coming back, and we know how good he was. He, he's probably going to be one of the top quarterbacks in the Big Ten this season. And I understand not having Kenneth Walker. That's going to hurt his passing game a ton. But Michigan State does kind of retool uh, at, at the running back position. They got a guy, Jared Broussard, from Colorado. He won Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year a couple years ago. Now, that's not to say he's going to come in and be Kenneth Walker again because, like you said, you're, you rarely find those running backs that are first, second-round talent on a team, and losing yeah. him is undoubtedly going to be bad for Michigan State. But their D-line is, is strong. They're, they're retooling a bit there. I just – I'm not saying the under is the wrong move because I don't think the over is is the right move either. This is one of the teams where I think you're right, where you kind of wait throughout the regular season to see what they do in that week three game in in Seattle is going to be big because if they can't handle Washington, if Michael Penix is somehow (laughs) back and playing really well and not injured and completely healthy and retools this Washington offense – Maybe we see Michigan State for what it is, and, and that season last year was a bit of a fluke. So I, I kind of agree that more likely than not, we'll probably see a regression to the mean from the Spartans team. But seven and a half, they know. Vegas knows. It's such a tough number to, to really go either way for me. Yeah, I think it's actually probably a good number, but Michigan State, a team I'm looking to bet against. Like I wouldn't be rushing to bet the Michigan State over, which I think a lot of people might do when they see how, why is Michigan State so low. They were so good last year, and yeah. they have a pretty good recent history. There's definitely a reason why, so I'd be cautious on Michigan State. But love that we got a Michael Penix uh, shout-out. Got to shout him out. Indiana quarterback who yeah. was the uh, leader of that magical season in 2020, and now – off to Washington. Transfer to Washington. So, what a what a what a ride. I don't, I don't know what to think of the that. Michael Penix experience is certainly a unique one. That's what I'll yeah. say. I don't, I don't know if anyone would want to experience it. Was experienced it for three years. It's quite the ride. Well, we'll get to that in two weeks on the Pac-12. Quite, yes, quite the ride. Uh, my under team. I got two. Let's go Penn State. Number one, uh, eight and a half is what their total is set at minus one twenty. So pretty pretty good odds for the under at eight and a half for Penn State. And I think. You just you look at that team, and I know they've been underwhelming for two years in a row. And it started, speaking of Indiana, it started in Bloomington when they lost that game when Michael Penix reached out to yeah. the goal line on a, maybe a touchdown, maybe not a touchdown, I'm not sure. But that was really the beginning of kind of a downfall of the Nittany Lions for the past couple of years. They've been underwhelming. Defensively, they've been great offensively they've struggled and that's really been the Penn State story for the last couple of years and I just don't see that improving too much they got Manny Diaz the defensive coordinator from Miami and as we were talking about this before the show how good was Miami's defense with Manny Diaz I mean it wasn't great not good at all so I I don't really know where the defense goes from that standpoint their linebacker depth is a question as well they do have a lot of talent but the some of the depth and one of the most important positions on the field is is in question Sean Clifford quarterback on the offensive side Fourth-year starter, we're expecting great things from Sean Clifford, but how good can he be? What's his ceiling? Has he reached his ceiling? He's 24 years old. The guy is a grandfather in the Big Ten, so I don't know if he's he's at the peak of what he was able to do last year. Can he get any better? They didn't really have a ton of coaching turnover other than defensive coordinator. It wasn't like a huge reshaping of, of the team. O-line is a, is a huge question for them still going into this season when it was terrible last year. There's just so many questions for Penn State, and for their win total to be at 8.5, 
that just seems just a little bit high to me. And the reason Penn State had had to bring in Manny Diaz is because Brett Brent Pry, their defensive coordinator, left for Virginia Tech. Yep. So I think there was a little bit of a staff shakeup in terms of some of the assistants, but offensively remains in place. Same so thing. Yeah. Maybe Sean Clifford can thrive just kind of being familiar with the offense. I think one thing though, I'll more reason I'll stay away from Penn State. I'm not a huge James Franklin guy, so in general, I kind of like like the under or the under yeah. betting against for any Penn, Penn State. State. Yeah. But he has recruited well. I think at yeah. a certain point, like just the talent will finally emerge. Could it be this year? I don't know. I know one of the reasons that they never considered firing him or maybe like seeing, like being <laughs> yeah, extended ten year extension or being <laughs> like crazy. okay if he left to USC when there was rumors about that. Yeah. Was he has a really good recruiting class coming in. So maybe they're a year away, Penn State. But I think that there might be enough talent there where they do end up winning enough games uh, and potentially nine. So I'm going to yeah. stay away from the t- uh, over-under there. Cross-division games at Purdue to open the season. I think that will be a really intriguing game for both teams. Prime time on a Thursday. Yeah, and then there are other games home against Northwestern and Minnesota. That's a win. Big non-conference game at Auburn. But you're catching Probably Auburn. Well, no, you're – I Maybe well, on the, we'll If see. it was at home, that's a win. I think that's a win. On the road – let, let's see what Auburn is. We'll talk about that next week on the SC show. But we'll they have dumpster fire potential, especially <laughs> after they can't No bonics. <laughs> I mean, they're, the boosters at Auburn were like trying to find reasons just to fire the coach. So yeah, that's true. We'll that's see true. what happens there. Um, I think it's the right time to be playing Auburn in terms of like you're catching them in like their worst spot in 10 years. Uh, so interesting stuff for Penn State this year. A team that – I don't know if they're better <laughs> – have a better chance of winning i would say a better chance of winning the east than michigan but in terms of just the odds i think that i know i'm not going to say anything that gets me in trouble i need more time to think of it this is recording don't forget I, we I can know, play this back because michigan's a better team but i think the path of penn for winning the big 10 east with penn state hosting ohio state instead of michigan going to ohio state right is a little bit more favorable than those michigan. man those whiteout games give them such an advantage and like you said they have ohio state coming into town that they could theoretically before their bye week october 8th they could be five and oh because if they beat auburn and purdue they're going to beat northwestern central michigan ohio that's five wins they could be five and oh yeah. but then you look at the second half of their schedule it's a little bit more tough michigan ohio state michigan state you know, you, you got to find four wins out of the next six games. It's going to be a little tougher. I think Penn State is probably good for an upset or two as well to get upset. So eight and a half is high. I'll, I'll take it at minus 120 for under eight and a half. I like it. All right. Let's go to my other under team and another team that Out won, to the cornfields. won 10 regular season games last year. Greatly overachieved preseason expectations. <laughs> yeah. The Iowa Hawkeyes. There always seem to be at seven and a half. Like every year, always. you can just yeah. say, I was going to be at seven, seven and, and a half. half. Yeah. And a few years, five or six years ago, they went 12 and 0 in the regular season, blew through that. So they definitely have the ability to go over the win total. But after what happened last year, I think that there's going to be a lot of regression in Iowa City this season. They're not going to win the Big Ten West again this year. Uh, they're not going to tr- create as many turnovers as they did last year when they had 30 takeaways. And I feel like one of the bits on this podcast was talking about Iowa's turnover luck and just yeah. how everything broke their way, it seemed like, at least in the first half of the season. 
that Penn State game when Iowa's number three, Penn State was number four, Sean Clifford gets hurt. They have no experience at a backup quarterback for Penn State, so Iowa ends up winning. And then the next week they lose to Purdue, which I think was a more of an accounting of what Iowa actually is. I do greatly respect Iowa's defense. Defensive coordinator Phil Parker's done a great job, and they do return some key players on defense. But their offense mm-hmm. – it's hard to watch at times. Alex Padilla, Spencer Petrus, the quarterbacks, neither one. Pick your I, poison. I don't think much of. Yeah, I don't think much of either one. Lose the running back, Tyler Goodson. Lost a first-round pick at center and Tyler Linderbaum. So I think their offense is going to continue to struggle this year. And when you have an offense like that where it's just like you get down in a game and you don't trust the offense to come back, I don't want to be on an over in terms of season win totals for Iowa. Uh, I think seven and a half, probably, like I said, with Michigan State, probably a good number. Uh, but I would look under for Iowa. And looking at their schedule, I think there's a good chance they start 4-0 and as long as they beat Iowa State at home. And then they have the Michigan game in their fifth game on October 1st. It's at home. It's it at, home. at home. Prime for an upset. And that will be Michigan's first time they leave campus yeah. all year because they start off with four home games. So it will be an interesting clash there. Then a few weeks later, I have to play at Ohio State. So I think it's a kind of a tough schedule in terms of Iowa for Big Ten West standards, having to play both Michigan and Ohio State as crossover games. And because the Big Ten West is, in my opinion, a five-team race, including Iowa, I can see them struggling or failing to cover against Minnesota and Purdue, two games where they have to go on the highway for before hosting Wisconsin in November. So for me – Iowa looking under, not going to probably place a bet on the under because some they're like a team that does better than their statistics show. They always somehow are like but, much better than people expect. I don't know what it is they feed them there in Iowa, but it's they well, they corn. Some, it's it's, it's just corn. <laughs> That's all they eat. Yeah, and they're all like probably participating in high school wrestling. Yeah, right. They're, they're all wrestling. So when they're not playing football, they're you know tackling still. Yeah, right. But. I, when I was like a favorite, I'm going to look to bet against them basically. Interesting. This just because I don't think their offense is good enough to be laying points against many teams yeah. or at least the average middle class teams in the Big Ten. No, I, I think that makes sense. They're going to have a, a damn good defense, is the thing. They, you talked about that. I yeah. think they have 70 to 80% of their defense returning. Riley Moss being the big one who created a lot of turnovers last year. Yeah, I mean, this could potentially be one of the top defenses in the country, but the offense. As good as that defense is, is how bad that offense could be. So, you know, maybe they just kind of tread water that way, and that's why that's at 7.5, because they're going to win some games because of their defense, but are they going to be able to win the games that matter to get over that 7.5 win count? Eh, probably not. Probably not with the way Iowa football goes. Yep. You just never know. All right, uh, my final under team, Purdue Boilermakers. I've been pro-Indiana, so might as well be (laughs) anti-Purdue. I'm going to go under Purdue win total of seven and a half. It's at minus 125 is the best odds that you can find it at. You look at the schedule, first of all, and you look at what Purdue is bringing back. They're losing their top two receiving targets. And I know they're bringing Aiden O'Connell back at quarterback, which is a really big help to them, of course, because they were an extraordinarily pass-heavy team last season. But without... Their top wide receivers, without David Bell, without Milton Wright, this this team, we don't know what this offense is going to be looking like. We don't know what they're going to be capable of. They could definitely be, again, one of the best offenses in the country in terms of efficiency, and they could really just steamroll teams. But you lose those guys, that's a lot of talent to lose on the offensive side of the ball. So I don't know if seven and a half wins, I don't know if eight wins is doable. 
I really don't. And, and you look through the schedule that they have. It's not a particularly hard nor easy schedule. I think it's about middle of the road. But, you know, they start against Penn State. If you want to chalk that up to a loss. Indiana State wins. Syracuse on the road. That could be a traps position. That could definitely be a trap spot for Purdue. But say they win that game, they could start 3-1, and one, go to Minnesota. They have Nebraska. They have to go to Wisconsin. That Indiana game, like I said, at the end of the season, that could be a bit rough for Purdue as well. Eight wins is – the more you look, the more paths to eight wins for this team seems more difficult than them just winning seven games this season. Yeah, so with Purdue, I think offensively, even though you lose David Bell, you return O'Connell, the quarterback, and Jeff Brom, offensive-minded coach, I think the offense yeah. is going to do well. I'd be more concerned about the defense, though. You lose George Karloftis, who was a first-round pick. Yep. And when Purdue loses a first-round pick on defense, it's a huge deal. It's not like an Alabama or Georgia or even Ohio State where you can replenish because you're recruiting so well. But to lose that kind of talent, I think the defense could take a huge step back for Purdue. So I'd be worried about the Boilermakers' uh, defense side of the ball. Interesting game, you said, week one against Penn State. Three-point yeah. underdog at home. I know you don't like either team, so you might just be staying away from that game. If they game. could both lose, that would be great. Yeah, right. <laughs> I so, did the both under for that one. That will be an interesting game. I think it will be a good litmus test to see what we kind of know about Purdue because I think yeah. that's going to be a tough you know, tough spot for Penn State after playing in that environment on the road week one. I feel like Purdue always has a pretty good accounting for in terms of like those primetime home games. Um it's just the thing with the Big Ten West, where it's such a wide, wide division. Open. You can make a case for five teams. We haven't even—I don't even know if we want to talk about Nebraska because their win no. total seven and a half. And last year, everyone's seven and a half in the Big Ten West, games. like you said. It's um, a wild, wild West. But right? it's just because we have no idea what's going to happen yeah, in that division. It's I think so weird. I think the key with Purdue is I think they can survive the David Bell loss because they have an offensive-minded head coach who's creative enough. Yeah, but defensively, it might be a struggle this year losing George Kaloftis. Let's go under under seven and a half. Seven wins. Seven wins for Purdue. I think that's fine. That's yeah. acceptable. They had a really good season last year, more uh, better than people predicted. They had a couple good upsets, top teams, one at home, one on the road. I don't know if that happens again. Right. Other crossover games for Purdue, Purdue are against Maryland and Indiana, both on the road. That Indiana game being for uh, – is the old Oaken Bucket or is that – The old Oaken Bucket, okay, yeah. Wow. Look at that. I know my Big Ten rivalry. You know your Indiana-Purdue yeah, rivalry which, football game. With the way the college football landscape's going, that yeah. we might not have many of those rivalry games yeah, anymore. Yeah, jeez. Yeah, RIP to that. <laughs> Hopefully they keep the Indiana and Purdue rivalry because yeah. usually it's been beneficial to Indiana for the most part. I think they will. <laughs> Let's hope. But, yeah, I think that under 7.5, I, I like that a lot. I think Penn State and Purdue, two teams that I, I could see going under. Um, you like Michigan State, Iowa, and as you talked about, Indiana. Indiana. Indiana under, under four and a half? Sure, at four and a half. What if it's under four? What if, you know, someone listened to this in a couple of weeks, it's down to four? Um, no, I'd, I'd stay away from four. I okay. think that's the half point means a lot because there is definitely winnable games early on in their season where if they could, they could easily get to four wins by mid-October and then you're kind of sweating the rest of the way right. just to push. If you're tying your money up for multiple months, you want to make sure you get that money back in terms of winning instead of just getting money your your you know original stake back. So, I like uh, the Indiana under four and a half. I think five is actually hard to get to for them, but four is definitely uh, in the range of outcomes for Indiana this season. There we go. So I like the Indiana over Wisconsin over eight and a half. You like the Ohio State over. And then unders, yeah. I like Penn State under, Purdue under. You like Michigan State and Iowa and Indiana. Yeah, I think just for grading purposes, there is a Ohio State 11 out there at minus 140 on the over. 
All pretty much all the other overs in terms of the Buckeyes at ten and a half, minus two thirty five, minus two twenty, minus two twenty five. Just in case there's an injury, I don't want to lay the big price there. So Smart. I'd rather go eleven minus one forty instead of ten and a half, nearly minus two fifty. If you're thinking about that or you only have access to a book like that, just pass on that and maybe bet them in some other form. Maybe even to win the Big Ten because if they make the Big Ten title game, they're probably going to be a larger favorite um, in terms of the money line than they are to win the Big Ten at about minus two hundred. All right, that'll do it for the Big Ten. Looking at the win totals, uh, we will be next week. What do you want to do? SEC, ACC, yeah. Big Twelve, so Got a bunch. Probably Big Twelve, right? It's their media day. Yeah, I think we should definitely do SEC because their media days are next week. They okay. always smartly and wisely do it during the MLB All Star break, so all <laughs> yeah, the attention is on, on them. them. And maybe they we'll do ACC. Doing. I think ACC is next week, or I think ACC is a good conference to get to just because I think there is some intrigue this year. And then after that, we can do Big Twelve, Pac Twelve, and some conferences that maybe by then we'll know a little bit more about those conferences future. But for this podcast, we're only here to talk about 2022, try to find you actionable bets for this season. And we're not going to focus on the conference realignment possibilities. Although it's very intriguing to follow. That's not the podcast for it. We're trying to make people money in the short term or by the end of the new year, as opposed to... Yeah, no two-year futures here. Who knows? No, yeah, definitely not. We don't know. But, well, again, you can find our videos at Stadium Bets on Twitter, at Stadium on Twitter. You could watch our uh, beautiful faces talk about the bets. We will be back next week with more college football totals as the summer rolls on. Mm-hmm.